You could be turning your Bibles this morning to 1 Peter chapter 5. So near the end of the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 5. And I want to talk to you today about the strange creature that is called a pastor. What is a pastor? There are a lot of uh, ideas out there about what a pastor should be and what a pastor should do. I wonder, do we have any former pastors or those maybe even now serving as pastors? Former pastors or pastors here today, would you raise your hand? I want to see you. Raise your hand. <laughs> Brother Johnny, you're the only one today? Well, you can check with Brother Johnny after the message today and see if what I tell you is true at the remainder of the, at the end of this message and, and see if I'm telling you the right things. For a few moments today, I want to be, I want to do a little something different. I want to bring you into my world. I want to talk with you about what it is to pastor. I want to talk to you about what God has called me to be and what God has called me to do. Uh, we were having uh, supper with uh, one of the families in the church the end of last year. And uh, one of the children, I think he's nine, uh, wanted to know, what do I do? What, so what do you do? And so I spent a little time trying to tell him what I did. Uh, home life is interesting. I already had this ready. Uh, I was going to preach this, but I noticed Home Life this year has an article uh, this month. Ten things your pastor wants you to know. How many of you already read that article? Let me see your hand. All right. Um, the fellow's pretty accurate. Uh, if you haven't read that, I went and read it. I was curious what I wanted you to know. I was getting nervous when I saw that. Um, but I hope after this morning, here's my reason for this. I hope after this morning you understand pastors a little bit better. And especially my goal here is I hope after this morning you will know how to pray for me. Uh, that's what I'm asking you to do uh, this year and for all the years that remain, that you would pray for me as your pastor. I'm going to make that one request of you, that you would pray. And I hope after this morning you will understand better how to pray, uh, not only for me as your pastor, but for other pastors uh, that you know. Uh, I started preaching uh, at the age of 16, and uh, the Lord called me to the ministry, and uh, I started preaching, and then I started my first full-time pastorate, I think I was just a few months shy of age 22, and uh, I thought I knew more than I did, uh, but God was gracious, and God has taught me uh, a lot through the years, and I hope I know more now than I did then, but still a long ways to go. But there are a lot of ideas out there about what a pastor should be and what a pastor should do. And the only one that really matters, though, is what God's word says. Uh, God's word lays out for us what a pastor is supposed to be and what he's supposed to do. Now, this is a big subject and uh, we can't cover everything about a pastor this morning. Uh, but I want to hit just some of the highlights with you today. And we'll begin here in 1 Peter chapter 5. And we'll go to several different passages. And you may just want to write, write the references down. And you can go back and look them up later. I'll be reading from several different passages today. We'll begin here in 1 Peter chapter 5, uh, beginning at verse number 1. The elders who are among you, I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, 
not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to pass through these two people. For the next few minutes, Father, as I seek to try to be transparent, as I seek to bring them into the world in which you've called me to, I pray that you'll receive all the honor and glory. I pray that you'd help us to understand your word and what it teaches. And Lord, I pray that you'll help this time to be edifying to each one. Hide me behind the cross. Use me now, I pray, in the Savior's name. Amen. Many times we think about a position or a job, there is what's called a job description. And a job description basically lays out, uh, in, in a very broad way, what you're responsible uh, to do. I like the way Adrian Rogers described the pastor's job description as Scripture reveals it. He said that the pastor is an elder, a shepherd, and a bishop. Those are the titles that the Bible uses to talk about the office of a pastor. An elder, a shepherd, and a bishop. He says the word elder speaks of maturity. That is spiritual maturity. The word shepherd speaks of ministry. And the word bishop speaks of management. And so that's a summary of what the Bible teaches about a pastor. It speaks of maturity, of ministry, and of management. So the question is, how does that flesh itself out in real life? What does a pastor do all week? What should he do all week? In other words, how does he spend his time? That's what that young man in our congregation wanted to know. What do you do all week? In other words, do you actually work longer than the old joke would have us believe? Does a pastor work longer than one hour a week? Yes. We're going to look today at a pastor's timesheet. We're going to talk about four main areas where a pastor should spend his time. Now, sometimes a pastor will get unbalanced in these areas and he'll choose to spend an inordinate amount of time in one area to the neglect of another. And that can move around throughout the years and throughout the days. That's why I'm encouraging you to pray for me, to help me as you go to the throne of God and pray that I'll spend my time where God wants me to spend my time. So four areas real quickly this morning where a pastor should spend his time. Number one, a pastor spends time with his Lord. A pastor spends time with his Lord. This deals with his personal relationship with his Lord. This deals with the pastor as a person. Jot this reference down, Titus 1, 7 through 9. Titus 1, 7 through 9. For a bishop, that's another title for a pastor, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word which has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. I hope you caught that word as I read through the word holy. A pastor is called to a life of holiness. He's to be growing more like the Lord Jesus Christ. And the only way to do that is to spend time with his Lord. Now, by the way, that's not just for pastors. All believers are called to a life of holiness. 
And if you're going to be a holy person, a person who truly is holy, you too must spend time with the Lord Jesus. Now, listen, I have to be intentional about keeping a quiet time with my Lord, just as you have to be intentional about that. What can happen to a pastor or somebody in ministry, even a missionary or somebody in full time Christian work? We can become very professional in what we do. In other words, I could come to the Bible every time and say, okay, I've got to have a sermon for Sunday. I've got to have a Bible study for Wednesday night and just approach God's word looking for lessons and for sermons. But as a person, I have to come to the word of God seeking to commune with my Lord, seeking to hear from God personally, to talk to God in prayer personally, to grow close to the Lord personally, just as each and every one of you as believers must do. It's very, very easy to become a Martha and be so busy, busy, busy ministering that we don't become like Mary. And that is spend time at the feet of the Lord Jesus. I have to personally pray, personally read my Bible, just as you have to. I have to grow spiritually just like you have to grow spiritually. And to grow spiritually, I must spend time with God. You know, Christianity is not a religion. It's a relationship. That's why I'm encouraging this year, if you've never done it, or even if you have many times, to spend time in God's word every day. To pray every day. To spend that time with him. This is spiritual growth. But I include in this as well personal growth. That is physical growth. Jot these references down. 1 Timothy 4.8 For bodily exercise profiteth little... But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. First Corinthians six nineteen through 20. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own for your bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Now, listen, as a person. I have to take care of the body that God has given to me. I only get one. By the way, you only get one. These verses are not only applicable to me, they're applicable to you, believer. We get one body. And God says, listen, I purchased your body. I own your body. It belongs to me. Therefore, I want you to glorify me with your body. So I have to take care of the body God's given to me. That includes what? It includes fun things like exercise and eating right. Right? It includes sleeping. All the things that we normally have to do as a person, we're to do them as an act of worship to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And so as a person... I have to take care of the body that God has given to me as an act of worship. By the way, you want a good tip? Go ahead and you can combine sometimes your, your fellowship with the Lord with your exercise. Uh, some of you know, you've, you've watched me. I've been working in these areas, especially over the last year or so. And uh, it's a battle. It's a struggle. And uh, if you would told me years ago that I would be participating in 5Ks, I would have laughed at you. Uh, I was telling my wife today, if you told me years ago that I'd, I'd like to go and eat a salad at a restaurant, I would have laughed in your face. Uh, I don't want that, but I have to understand that this is an act of worship. 
And listen, if you'll go out and you'll exercise and, and so forth, you can pray to God, and you probably will pray to God if you haven't exercised in a while. Uh, as you run and as you exercise, it'll help not only physical life, but your spiritual life as you pray, Lord, please don't let me die uh, as I go. Now, as a person, I have to spend time with my Lord, growing spiritually, growing physically, growing personally. A pastor spends his time with his Lord. Second, a pastor spends time with his family. A pastor spends time with his family. Jot this reference down, 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. For the sake of time, I'm giving you the reference and reading it uh, for us today. 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7. This is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, Sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not covetous. One, listen, one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach and the same of the devil. Now listen, I'm not only a pastor, I'm a husband and I'm a father. Now, a single minister, one who's not married, or maybe one whose spouse has died, their situation will be a little bit different than mine, but I'm married, so let's talk about that for a little bit today. I'm going to be honest with you. The church is the bride of Christ, not my bride. The church is the bride of Christ, not my bride. My bride is a little blonde sitting right over there. And if Red Hill becomes my bride, then my bride's in trouble. Does that make sense? The church is the bride of the Lord Jesus. I once talked with the brotherhood upon this subject, a man's first ministry. And I talked to them about the fact that the first ministry a man has is the ministry to his family. That message is up on the web if you want to go back and listen to it. I would encourage you to do so. I'm going to be frank with you. I love you. And you love me. And, and I, I hope and I pray that we can have a long, fruitful, many years together. A great ministry together. I hope one day I'll get to perform the marriage of many of these babies that we're dedicating these days. Uh, to see them grow up and see them love the Lord and see their families continue to grow into the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus. But I realize there's coming a day one day, whenever that day is, if the Lord does not come return first to take us home to be with him, there's coming a day when another man's name will be out on that sign out there where it says pastor. And I realize that another man will take this place, another man will stand here, but no one can take my place as a husband and a father. I hope you you caught there verses four and five of that passage. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? In other words, how I do there affects how I do here. If I don't do well there, I won't do well here. Because God has called us as a whole person to be his man. And to serve him. Do you see the balance on all this? Now, listen, I know I'm not alone in this. This doesn't apply only to a pastor. I know a lot of you folks struggle with the same balance in your own life. The balance between home and work. 
And we live in very demanding days. We live in days where it seems that we're never off because we're connected in so many ways through email and text and voicemail and cell phones and everything else. We live in a very demanding workplace now because there's been so much downsizing and they're not hiring anybody else. And your your workload is just growing and growing and growing. The demands are there. And at the same time, you're seeking to balance out work and your family and your relationship with the Lord. And we tend toward extremes. Sometimes someone becomes a workaholic and they spend all their time at work to neglect their family. Others spend so much time with their family, they neglect their work. There's a balance here. Warren Wiersbe once said this, blessed are the balanced, blessed are the balanced. And I believe God will help us as we seek to honestly and truthfully be what he's called us to be and do what he's called us to do. To strike that balance and find that that we can honor and glorify him. And so in your own life, think about your own life and realize, listen, don't sacrifice your family for the sake of your work. But at the same time, be sure to work the way God has called you to for the honor and glory of the Lord. A pastor spends time with his Lord. He spends time with his family. Third, a pastor spends time with his books, with his books. This deals with study. Uh, this builds with, this deals with those pastors said about being able to teach and having sound doctrine. Listen, to Acts six, one through four. Now, in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplying, so the church was growing, how great that was. There arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. Can you imagine a fuss going on in the church? That's just hard to imagine, isn't it? There's a disagreement in the church. And what do you think happened? Well, you know, they went to those who were in charge and said, listen, we are not happy. So what did they do? Verse three or verse two. Then the twelve summoned the multitude of the disciples and said, it is not desirable that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Not that they were above serving tables, not that they couldn't serve tables, but because God had not called them there. Listen, verse three. Therefore, brethren, seek out from among you the seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, who may appoint over this business. Verse 4. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. We're going to stay with God's calling upon our life. And, of course, you read on. We believe it's the calling of the first deacons there. Listen, I'm thankful for the deacons we have that serve Red Hill Baptist Church. Godly men who love God and love you and love their pastor. And they help me in so many ways. And you know that. And I, I just honor God uh, through them today and praise God for them. But listen, if you're going to invite me over to your house to eat, maybe you say, come preacher, come over for supper one night. Somebody has to cook something. If I'm going to get a meal and you're going to get a meal, somebody has to cook. A meal must be prepared. It's the same case here. If you come on Sunday morning. And you want to be fed by the word of God. The under shepherd had better make sure that he's fixing a meal during the week. Because if he does not, when the sheep gather, they go away hungry. Because the shepherd has not prepared a meal for them. Listen, a pastor must study. He must study. And the primary book that he's to study is the word of God. Now, in addition to the word of God, he uses other tools and commentaries and all kinds of things to understand and interpret and apply the word. But he's got to study. He has to study. Listen to this passage. Very interesting. Second Timothy four, nine to 13. Second Timothy four, nine to 13. 
Paul's writing. Listen to what he says. Be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved what? This present world. That's a sad statement. We could stop and pause if we want. And has departed for Thessalonica. Crescens for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. And Tychius I have sent to Ephesus. Now listen to verse 13. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas when you come. Now listen to this next part. And the books, and the books, especially the parchments. Now, I'll be honest with you. I love books. I do. Now, I don't know. God worked in my life about that because growing up, I didn't like books. Maybe you were like me. When I do a book report, I found the shortest book I could find. And I tried to find one with a picture on every other page. And I'd wait to the very last minute, the night before the book report was due, to read that book. And so I'd be all stressed out trying to read this book and do this book report. I didn't care for books. I didn't want books. I didn't, I didn't do with books. And God called me to preach. And I began to get some books and realize the importance of books. And I began to build my library. And uh, I, I just love the knowledge that we can share. But the primary book, beloved, is God's Word. Now, if I don't study, I know it. That's a profound statement, isn't it? If I don't study, I know it. But listen, if it goes on long enough, you'll know it. I'm be honest with you. I have no respect for a man of God who stands behind the sacred desk and does not prepare. Now, I'm not talking about a man who maybe is called in the last moment. That's different. He maybe is called up in an emergency situation or... Or he didn't know or whatever. But I mean, a man who says, listen, you're going to be preaching God's word, feeding the flock of God. And he doesn't take time to study. Because God has called us to a life of study. Now, listen, study is hard work. Some people don't understand what it is to study. God wires us differently. My grandfather, he's in heaven now. He passed away the other year. My grandfather, I'll be honest with you, I don't think he ever understood me. I don't think he ever understood me, really. I was different. I know he said a long time ago, I would not be the kind of man that would grow up and work outdoors wherever he knew I was going to work at a desk. My grandfather was only able to go to school for a certain amount of time back in those days, and then he began to work. His parents and most of his family were killed in a tragic uh, accident with a train hitting their car. Uh, He was... A very wise man in many ways and was very successful in many ways. But I don't think he ever got it because he was not a man that worked at a desk and studied. And to him, he knew work as being out and laboring and whether being chicken farming or whatever. And maybe you're here and they say, well, what is this about studying? You can't quite grasp it. And trooping on, maybe I can't quite grasp what you do because God has wired us all a little bit different. But I will tell you this. Study, true study is hard work. Those of you who maybe teach Sunday school can appreciate that. Those of you who work in those areas can appreciate that. But I want you to pray for me that I'll be honest before God and honest before you. Because whether I know it or you know it, God always knows whether or not I study and prepare for the preaching of God's word. Spend time in the books. Now, there's there's administration and management. I spend a lot of time preparing and planning and all those kinds of things. But we can only hit the highlights today. I don't want to bore you to death. Now, listen, a pastor spends time with his Lord. He spends time with his family. He spends time with his books. And fourth, he spends time with his people. Now, listen, when I say his people, I don't mean to sound possessive. That's not what I'm meaning there. 
What I mean is he loves to spend time with the people that God has given to him to shepherd. That is the congregation. That is you. You. You, my friend. A pastor is the care for the flock of God. First Peter 5, 1 through 4, we read it a moment ago. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly. Not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. A pastor is to love his people and the people should love their pastor. And I'm so grateful that I can say, I know that is the case here. I know it's the case here. I love you. You love me. Now, listen, a pastor gets to spend and care for his flock and spend some of the greatest and worst moments together. Right, Brother Johnny? We get to spend some of the greatest and worst moments. What do you mean, preacher? I mean this. Some weeks are an emotional roller coaster. I get to be involved in people's lives behind the scenes where maybe you never see. And in the very same week, I can rejoice with a family that welcomes a new baby into the world and then weep with another family that just lost a loved one. Some weeks are an emotional roller coaster. And, and you're on duty 24-7. It says there what? You're an example to the flock. Now, and I want you to know you can call me anytime. I honestly mean that. If you have a tragedy or problem, I don't care if it's about the night, you can pick up the phone and call and know that I'm praying. I'll come. I'll be there for you. But at the same time, I realize I'm an example no matter where I am, what I'm doing. Listen, Anshadville, Polkton, Waitsboro is a small town. If I want to misbehave, I've got to go a long way away. That's a joke, y'all. You can laugh. I'm to be an example to the flock of you all the time. Now, listen, the pastor is not something you choose. I'm talking to some young men today who may God, God may call them to the pastor. You say, not me, preacher. Yeah, might, maybe you. I'm talking to some young ladies today who may marry a pastor. God help you. <laughs> the pastor is not something you choose. It's something you're chosen for. It's a calling upon your life. You know, a man who just wakes up and they say, you know, I think I'm going to go into pastoring. That seems like a nice thing. You know, flexible schedule, so forth. That man's going to be miserable before long. And I almost guarantee you he'll be out of the ministry before too much longer after that. Because a pastor is not something you choose. It's something you're chosen for. It's a calling of God upon your life. And brothers and sisters, the reason I come to you before you today and ask you, to pray for me is because I want to finish strong and well. Many pastors have fallen. They've fallen. I want you to know that Rodney Clements is not above falling. He is not above failing miserably. And bringing a reproach upon the name of Christ. And so I ask that you would pray that I will be the man that God wants me to be. Pray for me that I would love my Lord and my family and my books and study and people. Now, listen, I'm thankful. This, this is a time. If you're busy today, I apologize. This time I'm, I'm speaking to the flock and to the family of God right here at Red Hill. Listen, I'm so thankful to be your pastor. I know beyond the shadow of a doubt God called me here. But I also know that 
I serve at your pleasure. I do. We're Baptists. We do it the right way. You can kick me out tomorrow if you want to. But I'm glad you haven't. I'm grateful to be your pastor. I thank you for your support. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your faithfulness. And I hope by spending this few minutes together today that you understand me a little bit better and understand all pastors and, and what it is to pastor. And to answer that young man's question, what do you do all week? How much time do you have to talk about? There's so many different things. No week is exactly alike, but we've hit the highlights here. Please know I'm a human just like you. I get frustrated just like you do. I get tired, I get weary, I get cranky, I mess up. I'm like you in so many ways. And God loves me. And God loves you. I read about a pastor... He left the pastorate after 20 years. And as you can imagine, people get to wondering what in the world happened. But you know what he left the pastorate for? He left the pastorate to become a funeral director. And somebody asked him one day, why did you do that? Why did you leave the pastorate to become a funeral director? He said, well, I spent about 20 years trying to straighten out John. And he never did straighten out. I spent 14 months trying to straighten out the marriage of the Smiths, and it never did get straightened out. He said, I spent three years trying to help out Susan, and she never did get straightened out. Now when I straighten them out, they stay straight. Would you pray I I stay straight? That's my prayer today. Would you pray that I stay straight before God and before you? That I pastor and be what God has called me to be. And listen, maybe you're here today. You say, well, it's been kind of somewhat interesting to hear a little bit about pastoring. But listen, friend, the only reason I can pastor today, the only reason I can stand and speak to my Lord is because he called me long ago to a loving embrace of his son, the Lord Jesus. He called me to salvation. Maybe you heard today you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Listen, I pray that 2011 be the greatest you've ever had. And that could begin with you receiving Christ as Savior and Lord. Maybe I'm speaking today to some Christians and listen, you're not right today with God and you know it. Maybe you could resonate with some of what I talked about today. Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're just really struggling today. I want to invite you today to come and give that to God. And then overall today, I've asked you to please pray for me as your pastor. We won't do this often. I wouldn't preach a message like this often. But as God has laid this upon my heart, I bring it to you today and ask that you'll pray for me. Pray that I'll be the man that God wants me to be. Let's go forth together. Let's serve God together. Let's grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus together. I pray the greatest years for Red Hill Baptist Church are ahead, not behind. We just celebrate 150 years. God's been gracious. God's been good. He is good. But I'm praying the greatest days are still ahead. Will you join us? Will you go with us? Will you labor with us? Will you give of your sweat, your toil, your tears, your prayers, your gifts, your finances to make sure that we do all that God has called us to do in this place? And listen, let me say one final thing before we pray. If I ever fail you personally, please let me know. 
The greatest thing you can do is not to tell somebody else or go call somebody else and say, oh, the pastor did this, that. He offended me. He didn't come. Listen, come to me. I love you. If there's any between us, I don't know of anything, but there is. I want to get that straight today. And you come to me. And that's always the case. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Let's pray. Father. Lord, I thank you for this few moments. Lord, I've done my very best to honor you in talking about the calling you placed upon my life. Thank you for calling me here. Thank you for these dear precious people. Lord, thank you for what you've accomplished so far. And Lord, I pray that truly the greatest days will be ahead of us. Starting today, we'll make up our minds. We're going to seek first the kingdom of God. Father, I pray, I, I just ask you, if anybody's here today that does not know Jesus as Savior and Lord, I pray during this invitation that you would bring them, convict their heart and show them the need of Christ and bring them to salvation. I pray for believers today who might be struggling. I pray today as we close out this service, they would come forth and get those things settled here at this altar and leave here rejoicing. And Father, I pray that you'd help me as I pray for these people. And I pray, Lord, you'd help them as they pray for me. Thank you for the special bond that we have together. Thank you for a loving church family. Thank you for loving us. We know we love because you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.